Hello and welcome to the Nutrition with Rebecca podcast. This podcast is designed to empower you with the knowledge to live a healthy and happy life, to banish the years of yo-yo dieting, heal your relationship with food, make lifelong changes to your health by learning evidence-based nutritional techniques with self-compassion, mindfulness and behaviour change to feel more accepting and confident both in your mind and your body. We'll likely be adding a little bit of feminism, some sass and some humour along the way. I hope you enjoy and thank you for tuning in. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Nutrition with Rebecca podcast. You're joined by me, your host, Rebecca, and of course, as always, the most wonderful, adorable and extremely dirty sidekick Edith because it is the depths of winter here in the UK and with the depths of winter comes the depths of wet weather. And let me tell you, let me tell you, They said getting a dog would be fun. And for the majority of the time, she brings me nothing but joy. Complete joy. So much love. But I have never known a dog who enjoys jumping in muddy puddles as much as her. Let me tell you, it's a game. Genuinely. Every puddle, she's like, oh, hi, hi, hi. (laughs) So, yeah. Edith is here and Edith is very dirty, but we're here for it, right? We're here for it. Today, another episode. We're going to be talking about a topic that many people can get a little muddled up with when it comes to their health and wellbeing journey, namely fat loss. And that is whether exercise is useful for quote unquote burning calories. So let's get straight to it. Cut to the chase. The benefits of exercise far outweigh that of calorie burn. And using exercise as a way to, again, quote unquote, burn calories will leave you in a continuous battle. A battle that will inevitably prevent you from ever achieving lasting fat loss. And when I say lasting fat loss here, I don't mean fat loss for six weeks. I mean fat loss for six months, 12 months, three years. And it will leave you in a battle that will instill an all or nothing thinking and cause not only a poor relationship with exercise, but with your body too. Exercise has profound impacts on the mind and the body. And using it as this calorie burn is a red flag that will hold you back from achieving your goals. It will impact your relationship with food and you will forever find yourself in this dichotomy. Oh, well, I've ate something here that's 200 calories above my intake, so I need to go and burn that off, but you need to put the children to bed and it's 10 p.m. at night. Oh, but I need to get out, I need to get out. And you fight and fight and fight with yourself. It's Jekyll and Hyde, right? Psychologically, that is not value-led. That is not sustainable. Exercise is a genuine privilege for the body. It is something that not everybody has the capacity to do. To freely move, to walk. And you know, every day 
I thank my body for the ability to walk, the ability to get out in the fresh air with my dog on my own. It's something that many people can really take for granted. Exercise is not a punishment for what you ate and should never, ever be viewed as an intertwining part of nutrition. The two are completely separate. Now, listening to this, you may well have used things like MyFitnessPal, whereby you've tracked your calories and maybe you've linked MyFitnessPal to your smartwatch. And that's taken data from your smartwatch, from your exercise routine, and told you that you can inevitably eat back your calories. That's false. To start with, your smartwatch is around 40 to 60% inaccurate. And it also creates this notion that then you can eat more from permission to exercise. And you should eat without seeking permission from exercise to do so. But you should also, where possible, exercise without glorifying an overindulgence because my fitness pal or your fancy watch says you've burnt 500 calories. And actually, this is very common. And it's very common when people go through their journey of healing their relationship with food to then struggling with their relationship with exercise. It's another avenue of control, control of your body weight and shape. And actually, it's also a place where a lot of people can seek validation from. If you identify as the fitness person because you always go to the gym, you then have this innate belief that you need to go to the gym. In reality, it's not control that you need, but you need to loosen the reins of control and allow yourself to trust yourself, to be adaptive, to be open-minded, to be curious and critical with some of the thoughts that you have, some of the beliefs you have, whether or not they are helpful or hindering for you at the minute, and whether the belief you have with exercise and nutrition is fact, fiction, and whether or not the approach you're taking is sustainable, whether it's adding value to your life. Because exercise is the one thing that you can do to support your overall health, mentally, physically, And this association with exercise needed to undo what you've ate or burn off calories has been a misinformed message in the fitness industry for too long. It really is ludicrous and frankly stupid. And last year, I had the incredible privilege of chatting with Dr. Richie Kerwin, who is a lecturer and scientist in exercise science. And one of the things he said has really stuck with me. If exercise was a drug, it would be the biggest universally prescribed drug to everyone. And people with more muscle mass have a 68% lower risk of dying from heart disease. Like really, exercise is so beneficial for you. So beneficial. But now it's January. There is some scarcity in the air. I hate it. I genuinely hate it. Diet culture. Some fitness coaches really do prey on vulnerabilities this time of year. It's like a Monday. There's those 
January blue feelings, which I am yet still to discover what that actually means. But with all of this, we do have coaches, methods, pushing, get to the gym, in inverted commas, after an indulgent Christmas and quote unquote, put those calories to use. Okay, yeah, thank you so much. Because now we have that negative association with overeating and the need to counterbalance what you ate. But the narrative isn't helpful. In fact, for some, it can be really hindering. And as I just mentioned, another avenue of control. And it's actually then taken away from the reality of life, the reality that your body is meant to fluctuate. It is meant to change. It will change with different seasons, different chapters. It is not meant to look the same. It's not meant to weigh the same. And trying to control it will inevitably lead to a loss of control. And over-exercising as a way to counterbalance what you ate will lead to burnout. And then you'll have to take more rest because your body will make you. And the amount that you burn in your gym session is actually the smallest amount of your total energy expenditure throughout the day. So a little bit of science. Components of the total daily energy expenditure make up your caloric needs for the day. But remember, energy balance isn't static. It doesn't run on a 24, seven day cycle. So it's not that you get new calories every day, despite what some methods tell you about going away and eating 1500 calories every single day or hitting 15 sins every single day. No, it doesn't work like that. It's not that your your body gets to midnight and it's like, oh, hi, Susan, new calories for the day. No, it doesn't work like that. But your TDE is made up of a few elements and this is all subjective and individual, which is why your approach to fat loss will be completely different to anybody else's. There is some genetic predisposition that comes into play here, but of course, we can't cut you open and see that. So this is average. So the way in which you work out your calories and your caloric burn is made up from your basal metabolic rate, which is also known as your resting energy expenditure. That accounts for about 70%-ish, ish, remember, ish of your daily energy requirements. This is the blood pumping around your body, keeping your organs functioning, um, sat down, doing diddly, squat, not doing much. Your body needs a, a significant amount of energy to survive just keeping you alive. So when people go and hit like 1200 calories, they're creating a deficit from their BMR. It's ludicrous and frankly, not sustainable. So about 70% is basically keeping you alive. Then we have thermic effective food. So basically digestion. Now with digestion, it's around about ish, ish, 10%. Don't go away quoting me. Rebecca said it's exactly this. No, it's not. It's, it's slightly different. But you know, I'm just giving ball, ballpark figures here, right? Thermic effective food, digestion. So basically the, the process that your body goes through digesting food, the thermic effective food is different from different foods. Protein and dietary fiber plays highest into the thermic effective feeding because of the digestion process and how long it takes to break down the molecules into their smaller components. Then you have non-exercise activity thermogenesis, which is a fancy way of saying NEAT, 
So day-to-day movement, walking, gardening, cleaning, running around after children. Um, If you're like me and I do it now and nobody can see, but I talk with my hands. So I wave my hands around when I'm talking. Um, I I don't know what the fancy word for that is. Um, My husband does it as well. It's hilarious. But yeah, that's neat, right? Um, Just standing up, like standing in a queue without leaning on something, that is neat. That accounts for about 15% of your movement. So like your general day-to-day movement, 15%. Then the smallest element, eat. Exercise activity thermogenesis. Going to the gym. So 5% of your caloric burn is done in the gym. Which is why it's frankly stupid to be going to the gym to burn calories. Even though that Stairmaster says you've burnt 500 calories, you haven't. Because everybody is different. If I got on that Stairmaster and trugged on it for an hour, and you listening to this got on it and trugged on it for an hour, God, we'd both be miserable to start with, right? But it would say we'd burnt around about the same. But it's likely that we're different heights. It's likely that we're different weights. It's likely that we're carrying different amounts of muscle mass. It's likely that we're different ages. And all of this makes up your energy expenditure and how much you then burn. If you're carrying higher levels of adipose tissue, and that's body fat, you will burn more calories than somebody who is not carrying as much adipose tissue as you, but does the same exercise as you. There are so many factors that play into it, but Focusing solely on exercise for burning calories will leave you in this trapped cycle. And frankly, 5%, it's not helpful, is it, really? Like, really? Exercise is so powerful, you know? For the mind, the body, it improves health, stamina, fitness levels. It releases endorphins, helps with blood flow, builds muscle mass supports your mental health, supports the menopause with a reduction in estrogen, thus having a huge benefit on metabolic health. It reduces risk of cardiovascular health like type 2 diabetes, improves mobility, supports aging, reduces risk of frailty, osteoporosis, sarcopenia, supports hormonal imbalances like PCOS, helps management of blood glucose levels. Please please tell me that that is far more beneficial than fat loss. All of those things I just reeled off. They are so much more important when you consider the longevity of your well-being and circling back to what Dr. Richie Carwin said, more muscle mass, 68% lower risk of dying from heart disease. Not 68% lower risk of I don't know, regaining weight, it's ludicrous, you know? But this is where many people trip themselves up, especially in a fat loss phase. And I know I did this, genuinely. Those of you who have been here for a long time will know the trauma I had around the very first exercise session that I ever did. And I remember it was in the depths of like a thin ideal, you know? I grew up in the Kate Moss era where Britney Spears was slammed for gaining weight, where Jessica Simpson was told that she was fat publicly when she was like a size 12. Victoria Beckham asked to step on the scales after she gave birth, like literally four weeks later, to see how much she was weighing. It was honestly, honestly so bad. But I remember 
it was all about this then exercise and fat loss. Everyone was talking about exercise for fat loss. And this is where I got it intertwined as well. And, and again, many people do. And I was like, right, okay, well, I need to go and burn as many calories as possible. So I got on Google because Dr. Google is the, obviously the best way to go, right? You go on Googling and you can just get any information, any information. And it's all fact. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> no, it's not. And spinning was a big thing. I was like, mm, I could do that. And I thought to myself, right, okay, that works quite well because I don't want to go in a commercial gym because everybody will look at me and everybody will laugh at me. And if I go to this spinning session, then the room is dark and I can go at the bike at the back. Right, that's what I'm going to do. And I signed myself up and the very first session, I went on my own and like I didn't tell anybody I was doing it. And actually I got really into it, like really into it. I was like, oh my God, this is great. Releasing endorphins, it was making me feel good. I was sweating. And even, even still now, I said this actually to a couple of clients the other day. I remember coming through my journey and getting a PT along the way. So I'm just going off on a tangent. And he used to say to me, oh, um, sweat is fat crying. I was like, oh no, oh my God. It's really sad, isn't it? Some of the things we've been exposed to. But anyway, I was sweating in this spinning session. And I remember getting home and I think then it was when I was having um, Weight Watchers, Weight Watchers microwavable meals. And I really, I think I used to like, well, I say like, quote unquote, like the chicken curry. And then used to have one of those like brownie desserts and it was all pointed. Oh, I wish Rebecca now could go back to Rebecca then and be like, is everything's going to be okay, babe? <laughs> but anyway, woke up the next morning, I genuinely could not move. I'd pulled every single muscle in my body. I had to call my best friend at the time and she came round and then we had an ambulance come to me because obviously she couldn't lift me. I was 140 kilos, but I couldn't move, genuinely couldn't move. And I was taken to a local hospital and I was given oral morphine to try and help loosen every muscle in my body. It was honestly tragic, tragic. So tripping yourself up just like I did. <laughs> and therefore, exercise to begin with for a lot of people is dumb for the sole purpose of losing weight. And the focus is then on the outcome, right? Well, if I do this, I'll lose weight faster. So I'll focus on fat loss. There is no sight of the process and no real understanding of the significant benefits that come with exercise. All of those things, plus many, many more that I just went through. So whatever you do should be considered a long-term approach to improve your overall health, not just done for fat loss. Overhauling your life for that quick six-week fat loss will inevitably lead to weight gain. Because as soon as you have lost the weight, you'll fall back to old habits, old behaviours. And the biggest change with fat loss is behaviours, not calorie burn. So you do not need to earn calories by exercising and you shouldn't be looking to only exercise for fat loss. Not only will it significantly impact your relationship with your body, nutrition and exercise, it's such a poor way of expending energy and can lead to further complications with your health. Loss of muscle mass hypothalamic amenorrhea, which is loss of menstrual cycle, injury. There are so, burnout, you know, there are so many things that can come if you are then pushing extreme with exercise because you hold it 
in this intertwining place with nutrition and you're looking to earn your calories or burn off calories, or you're doing it for the sole purpose of fat loss. So the more calories you burn, the faster you lose weight. But actually, there's some really cool research out there that shows exercise stimulus can differ with individuals in their appetite by up to 500 calories. And a lot of the time people think doing more is better, but actually for some people, it's not. Because then it can send your hunger into a frenzy. Then you have high levels of cravings. Then you actually end up eating more than had you just allowed yourself a quick routine, one that you can consistently adhere to for the long term that is done to improve your health. So whatever you do should be considered a long-term approach. One that you can recognise all the amazing benefits you get both mentally and physically. This way, on the days you aren't motivated, and trust me, there will be many, there will be many, especially now in January, right? Well, actually, no, because everything's like rife in the fitness industry in January, maybe come February. You can envisage yourself in the future in like 30 to 45 minutes and know how he, she, they will feel. And this is one of the things that comes up a lot with my clients. They're like, how are you so motivated to exercise? I'm like, I'm not, babe. I'm not, genuinely. But I know when I've exercised, A, it's time for me, but B, it helps with my productivity, it helps with my mood, it helps with my energy levels, it supports my overall health. I know that I feel better from exercising. I know. And this is where you can recognise the functionality of your body, the ability to move, the intrinsic measures, you know. You feel fitter, stronger, healthier. It's another qualitative measure that you can check in with on a fat loss journey. So you're not just governed by the scales, but maybe you're lifting a little bit heavier. Maybe you're moving a little bit freer. And one of the things my clients say to me, and they say to me regularly, and I hope she's listening to this, and she'll say frequently I feel like I'm I'm walking and I'm walking lighter like I'm walking taller and I feel fitter in my in my steps and in my strides and honestly to feel that in your body is such a positive indicator that you're going in the right direction and your exercise should be one that you enjoy one that brings you satisfaction and happiness all of my clients have individual programs that factor in their commitments, their social life, their work life, and are built to bring an element of enjoyment. Alongside helping them with mindfulness, recognising the functionality of their bodies, simultaneously improving body image. Some of my clients work out for 10 minutes. Some of them work out for 60 minutes. Some of them go for daily walks. Some of them do hypertrophy training. Some of them use bands, cowbells, dumbbells, barbells. Anything is better than nothing, but the intent behind your action is so important. So if you're looking to start an exercise regime in January, I want you to check in with the intent behind your action because maybe you're listening to this and you're also on a fat loss journey. So question, are you doing this for your health? Is this a healthful and helpful approach to your longer term goals? Can you acknowledge the functionality of your body and what it is capable of doing? Can you be grateful that you have the ability to move? Are you doing this because you believe you should 
And is that rooted in balance or fear? And try this. Try turning off that fancy smartwatch, coming back to your body and listening to how him, her, they feel. How that movement is within your body. Not always looking for quantitative data in 10,000 steps or 300 calorie burn. Instead, start to consider that mind-body connection and start to consider the long-term approach to your exercise. And I guarantee your fat loss, your journey will be far more enjoyable. And your body will fluctuate, especially around social events, around times of celebration, different foods. I cannot tell you how important the acceptance of this is. You've come out of Christmas, you're probably, like all of us, feeling a little bit fluffier, a little bit fuller than life. If you feel uncomfortable with your body, exercising from a place of punishment is not going to make you feel any better. And exercising to try and undo it is only going to create that negative association with overeating and the desire then to counterbalance it. You know, that's not sustainable. That's not long term. You don't forever want this all or nothing thought process come January. You can and you should move your body. It will always help you, providing the intent behind your action is nourishing and beneficial without trying to control your body or done solely for fat loss. And that's going to be it from me, folks. If you're listening to this and you relate to the all or nothing battle, the forever dichotomous thinking with nutrition, you're struggling so much to get into sustainable fat loss. That's exactly what I do. I will link my coaching below. And if you have any questions at all on this, please don't hesitate to contact me. Thank you for tuning in.